Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 103 of the Talking Fires podcast. Ben Fadden, your host. Today, I wanted to come to you uh, after Rob Manfred spoke to the media, spoke to reporters in Orlando uh, after the conclusion of the Major League Baseball owners meetings. And so the big takeaways, I'll go over that. I'll go over some of the things that he said. Kevin Acey came out with an article today about the Padres' potential moves that they might make and kind of their attitude going into post-lockout action, if you will. And Keith Law came out with this top 20 list, prospect list for the Padres' farm system. So I'll go over that as well, give you some takeaways from that. So we got a full, full episode for you today. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for watching and listening, and let's get started. So Rob Manfred, like I mentioned, spoke to the media in Orlando about the CBA discussions that he was having with the Players Association. He did talk about the whole Tampa Bay Rays and not going to Montreal and all that, but no one really cares about that except Rays fans. The big issue uh, at hand was the negotiations and when were we going to start spring training? When is an agreement going to happen? What are the rules? And so he spoke a little bit about that. Uh, The news coming out of it here, Major League Baseball has agreed on a universal DH and a draft lottery. That's what he said. Uh, And that there would not be any draft pick compensation for free agent uh, signings. I believe that's what he means by that. Um, But no universal DH. So that's the first major point. That's obviously good news for the Padres because that increases their chances of scoring more runs, obviously. I know it does for everyone else, but there are situations where the Padres, um, you know, they're better off, obviously, with a DH, especially if they get a Nelson Cruz, if they get Kyle Schwarber. I know everyone wants to talk about Nelson Cruz as being the big target because, you know, they were already interested in him last year, even playing second base. uh, And he had the eye emoji on Twitter that he was talking about. Uh, that he tweeted out on Twitter. Um, So the interest definitely goes, the number one interest goes to Nelson Cruz. And I agree with that. Definitely on like a one or two year deal. But long-term, I think it should probably be just a situation where they develop guys and like a Joshua Mears or a James Wood. uh, And they, they might be able to occupy that DH spot most of the time, but I think it should be a position where, they can just give guys rest. They can have Fernando play there. Um, they can have Manny play there more. They can have Jake Cronenworth, you know, in that spot. Grisham in that spot. They could have Corey Alfaro in that spot, who they brought in before the lockout. So I think long term, it should be more of a moving, a revolving door, if you will, just a rotating um, position of who's going to fill that DH slot. I think that just is better. Because you don't, it's not like National League where one guy is taking up the position and you have Manny and Tatis and all that. They have to sit on the bench when they're not playing. They can play, they can hit only and kind of have essentially a day off their feet while you still get their bat in the lineup. Uh, but as for one year, two year deals, I do think that having a Nelson Cruz or a Kyle Schwarber like that, I would be definitely on board with that because they're trying to win right now. Uh, They need to win right now. They need to make the postseason this year. And having those guys, having a Nelson Cruz, having someone like a Kyle Schwarber in there, that would really help their lineup, their run production, which is something that they really struggled with 
And that will really help, especially if Eric Hosmer is still on the roster, which I'll get to a little bit later, um, because he just hasn't produced uh, as much as Padre fans obviously would have liked and what he's earning. He's nowhere near producing to that level. Um, so universal DH will be implemented. They, they have agreed upon that. Major League Baseball also draft lottery to kind of decrease the chances of teams wanting to tank so that they can get the number one pick. With the draft lottery, uh, it has not been reported how many teams would be in the draft lottery. I think the Players Association wants eight. Major League Baseball wants three. So there is a gap there. Um, but at least having a lottery should lower the chances of teams just totally tanking for a top three pick when it's not guaranteed, depending on how many teams are in the lottery. Um, and it increases the chances, therefore, of teams wanting to compete more, especially if there's an expanded playoffs as well, which, which is something that they've talked about. So universal DH in draft lottery in um, draft pick compensation seems to be gone. Uh, the status of spring training is another thing that Rob talked about. No change right now. So it was expected that he was going to announce spring training being delayed, the start of spring training, which is supposed to start next week, uh, pitchers and catchers reporting usually. But according to him, it's going, the start time is going on as planned. Now, I expect that to change because I don't expect the players to accept Major League Baseball's offer on Saturday, which is their next bargaining session. But Rob Manford was saying that spring training was going to start on regular, the regular time schedule based on the fact that he hasn't heard from the player's side on their most recent proposal. So it's starting on time as of now, according to Manfred, but I would expect that to change after Saturday's meeting because as we know, the players in the league aren't agreeing on a lot, very many things right now. Rob obviously wanted to highlight the universal DH uh, and the draft lottery and the traffic compensation to kind of uh, take people's attention away from all the other things that they're not agreeing upon. You know, the increase in the luxury tax to a bigger number than what the owners want instead of just four million, make it more. Um, a lot of other things that I've talked about on uh, past episodes. He didn't want to highlight that. Obviously he was talking more about the positive things. That's how he started off his press conference. Um, so another thing he talked about teams will not play major league spring training games with just a bunch of replacement minor league players. So now that you could make it say, say that like that does happen already, Ben and, there are already a lot of minor leaguers that do play. And especially early on, you know, the regular starters get like two innings and they're out. I agree. But he's talking about if the two sides, the player association, and the league don't reach an agreement uh, by the start of when the spring training games are supposed to start, they're not going to force these spring training games to continue to be played when no major league rosters can play in them. Uh, that was another piece of news. Another major piece of news, kind of combined. Rob Manford said that there will be a four-week buildup. That's at least that's what makes sense. That's what he said. A four-week buildup between when the uh, from the start of spring training to opening day. 
four week buildup between them, which is expected. I, I agree with that. You want to limit injuries. I think it was like three weeks in 2020. There were more injuries. Uh, and then before spring training, the start of spring training, Rob Manfred said that there only needs to be like a week uh, between when the CBA is agreed upon to the start of spring training camp, which is kind of good, but that was surprising to me. Uh, I was expecting at least two weeks because you got to remember how many free agents there are after this agreement is made between the players and the league, how much activity there's going to be. I thought there was going to be, he was going to say that there was at least going to be two weeks between the CBA being agreed upon and the start of spring training, because there are so many free agents out there. I'm not even just talking about the big name guys. I'm talking about the smaller name, smaller name guys as well, but there's so many guys out there. Chris Bryant, Nelson Cruz, Kyle Schwarber, Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, uh, Clayton Kershaw. There's, I could keep going. There's so many free agents, Tommy Pham's another that are out there that have, that need to be signed. And there's, 30 teams. There's a lot of movement, trade discussion. Teams aren't supposed to be, I'm sure they probably are, but they're not supposed to be talking about possible trades with one another right now. And so those discussions need to be made if they want those trades to happen before spring training. So I think only allowing one week between the agreement, the CBA agreement and the start of spring training isn't enough time. Uh, Hopefully a deal is done where they, they get two weeks in between. But in terms of, I guess, the season being played in the length that it's supposed to be, it is good news uh, because that gives the two sides, I guess, another week, right, um, to get a deal done and still be able to start spring training on time and still be able to start the season on time on opening day on March 31st um, than it would have if they went with what I was thinking with, you know, having their be two weeks between uh, the agreed upon CBA and the start of spring training. So four week buildup in spring training. And there's only Rob Manford said about a week. All is all they need between the CBA agreed upon and the start of spring training. But another thing to take into account is, I mean, the winter meetings didn't even happen this year. So the winter meetings is usually a week. There's usually all conversation going on all times of the day. Then deals done and then that's not even taking into consideration all of the free agents all of the roster moves that need to be made so I thought two weeks but one week is I guess all they need so that was another piece of news Uh, Rob also said he's optimistic of having a season start on time Uh, he's an optimist of course he's going to say that as the league that's not really that big piece of news he's going to say he's optimistic what does he get what how bad of a look would that be if you'd say you know, I'm not optimistic starting the season. You know, he also said that it would be disastrous that the season, if the season didn't start on time, that they lose major league games. So if an agreement isn't agreed upon, for the lack of better terms, that would be pretty embarrassing to the league after the commissioner just went out and said weeks earlier that it would be disastrous if there was no, if the season didn't start on time. So for him to say it would be disastrous, you hope that they're really, really motivated now to get a deal done. But a deal didn't happen on time in 2020. I know different circumstances, 
And it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of urgency on both sides to get an agreement done. I know a, a counter proposal happened and it will be presented to the players on Saturday and there'll be discussions then. Um, but there was over 40 days between when the lockout happened and the first like proposal, I think, between the league and players. So they weren't urgent then. That was a lot of wasted time then. So now you all have to make up that time and be urgent all of a sudden now. Um, the players have said that they want to get back to the bargaining table. So you hope that some urgency happens. Um, but I'm not, I, I'm probably not optimistic, as optimistic as Rob Manfred is um, with this, for the season to start on time. Just considering how far off they are, it seems like with so many things, you know, with the Evan Drellich piece that came out, I think, last week, two weeks ago about like there was five different factors that they were off about. So I'm not as optimistic, but again, obviously I'm hoping for Rob to be right and that there is optimism. Um, another piece of news, let's see here. So it wasn't a big piece of news, but in terms of the timeline, that's kind of what I wanted to move to actually. The timeline, so you say that there's a four week buildup, they need one week, from the agreed upon CBA to the start of spring training. So that's five weeks. And so if you look on the calendar, March 31st opening day, so the end of February, 20 February 27th, 28th, 29th, something around then, you'd want an agreement to be done based on the parameters that Rob Manfred set earlier today in his press conference. So we'll see if that happens. But like I mentioned, February 1st, as kind of my date earlier this offseason to be to start getting worried. It's February 10th now, so obviously you should be worried. Now to like be worried about there being less games in the season, uh, that date has kind of moved now to late February. At the very, very latest, if we're going on the timeline of one week between spring training and the agreed-upon CBA, and then four-week build-up time. So that's the timeline I would look at uh, based on Manfred and his comments. So now, after Manfred's comments, I did want to move on to Kevin Acey, San Diego Union Tribune's piece that he wrote uh, this morning about the Padres' possible action post-lockout. What are they looking to do? What is the front office's views on Hosmer? And if maybe they can move him? Um interest in Seiya Suzuki that was mentioned. So I did want to move into that. AC wrote, quote, Padres are expected to make a run at Japanese star Seiya Suzuki. He could, uh, end quote, he could fit that 10 to $15 million average annual value in the Padres payroll that would fit um, to be under the luxury tax, I believe, even with Eric Hosmer on the roster. So that's good news. Um, that might so based on what AC is saying there, that might be the player that the Padres would rather go after instead of spending twenty to five thirty million dollars on Nick Castellanos or Nick Chris Bryant. They might want to go in the Suzuki thing, uh, the Sai Suzuki Avenue that route. And I wouldn't be like mad about it and say like, oh, this was a terrible signing because he did hit over three hundred in Japan. He has power. But I would be a little bit hesitant because he just hasn't played in the major leagues yet. And you could say, well, Ben, that's the same thing as C.J. Abrams as a prospect or something, right, coming up. He hasn't played in the big leagues yet. 
Yeah, but he's still facing upper 90s velocity in the minor leagues with the top pitching prospects. Suzuki, the Japan velocity isn't as consistently high as it is in Major League Baseball. And Kim, they just signed him from overseas, and he struggled, uh, you know, hitting-wise, offense-wise. And I'm, I don't want to compare Kim and Suzuki because Suzuki's a better hitter than Kim. At least that's what's expected. Uh, but with that said, you know, just recent experience with the Padres bringing in someone from Japan that didn't work out, at least in the first season, offensively. Kim was great defensively. Suzuki doesn't seem as strong defensively as Kim is. So I would just be hesitant. I, I'd rather – I'll say it this way. Money-wise, yeah, Suzuki seems to work better. But in terms of me being more confident in the power-hitting outfielder that they signed uh, to be the starting left fielder, I'd be more confident in Castellanos or Bryant because they've had success already in the big leagues with power numbers. Bryant's won an MVP, a rookie of the year. Castellanos was an all-star last year. So they've. I would just be more confident in those two than Suzuki. But there's other guys like John Schaefer on Extra 1360, big fan of him. He, he likes the show. He's been on our show before. He's a big Suzuki guy. And so I don't – there's other opinions of it, obviously. You can disagree. Again, I, I wouldn't be saying that, oh, this is a terrible signing, waste of money, but I'd just be hesitant. That's all. Uh, but Potters are expected to make a run at Suzuki, according to EC. We'll see how that plays out. Now, moving to Eric Hosmer, interesting comments. Sources told Kevin AC, quote, the Padres baseball operations department has essentially given up on Hosmer becoming the contributor the organization envisioned when he signed in 2018, end quote. Not a surprise. Uh, as you can read on gaslightball.com, as you can see on my instant reaction video, I put out on YouTube, on Twitter, Instagram yesterday about Christopher Mad Dog Russo's comments about the Padres needing to be, be patient with Hosmer and stick with him. Uh, you know that I'm not in favor of that. And the Padres organization, baseball ops department, according to AC, aren't as well. Uh, now, it seems like because of the barriers with the Hosmer trade, you know, his salary, uh, them not wanting to give up a Robert Hassel, someone like that, CJ Abrams, or maybe. Uh, a deal, you know, involving Eric Hosmer to another team is unlikely, and he's expected to be the starting first baseman still come opening day 2022, according to AC. Um, so while that stinks, the front office is just like the fans. They know that Hosmer is not going to be the Kansas City Hosmer. They know that Hosmer is never going to live up to his contract unless he hits – these big home runs in the postseason, Padres from the World Series and all that. Uh, even then, according to fan graphs and the dollar value, he still won't live up to it. He's made a base salary of $80 million over the first four years of his contract. According to fan graphs, his value is only $4.5 million. So <laughs> big gap, $75 plus million gap in terms of what he's earned, what he's taken home and spent on his wedding and stuff, as we saw on social media. And the difference between that and the money that he's actually earned is big. Uh, but it's expected, my reaction to that Hosmer news of him 
being the opening day first baseman expectedly, uh, not surprised. It's just going to be hard to, to trade him. Teams just don't want him um, and that contract. Uh, so that's not surprising. And it's not surprising the baseball operations department has given up on Hosmer, you know, being that contributor they, they envisioned when they signed him in 2018. Because they've seen what all the fans have. They're not dumb. They've seen the numbers. They look at the numbers. They've seen the dollar value of what he's actually earned. They see him on the field. They see his defense, negative defensive war, you know, since coming to San Diego. They see, um, you know, having a one-win season last year, according to baseball reference. They see that. They see that there's so many other first basemen who are at such lower salaries that can produce at a higher level than Hosmer's. So they know what we know. And I'm sure they think the same thing. They don't want him on the roster. That's just what I would think, according to AC and what he's saying. Um, so I guess my takeaway is I, I like that the front office isn't just trying to say, oh, you know, the whole Christopher Russo thing saying, oh, Hosmer won a World Series. You know, that was like seven years ago. Oh, Hosmer won four gold gloves. Yeah, none of them was San Diego. They're not clinging on to those things. So. I do like that part of it, uh, but bottom line is, will he be traded or will he not? We're just going to have to see. And part of that, th- the thing about, you know, Manf- brings back to Manfred, him saying that there is only one week that they need between the grade upon CBA and the start of spring training. That tells me that there's no way that Hosmer is going to get dealt. I mean, there's just so many things with that trade prospects, uh, how much money the Padres are willing to eat. Um, teams even interested in him. There's just a lot of things. And then you're not even considering that the Potters have to go get outfield help. And one more bench bat, whether that's Tommy Pham or someone else, maybe relief help. There's so many things that need to be done. One week isn't enough just to just somehow trade Hosmer, unless there's been some things going on that shouldn't be happening uh, behind the scenes, you know, with, with Freller talking with other teams about Hosmer. Some, something like that, because uh, I just don't think that's enough time for a deal to be done. So that was the AC article. Um, again, the major tidbits out of that, Padres not expected, or they are expected to make a run at Sayo Suzuki uh, out of Japan, and the Padres baseball ops department has given up on Haas from becoming the contributor they envisioned him to be in 2018. He's expected to be the first starting first baseman as of now in 2022. Again, it seems like I'm bashing Hosmer and I hate Hosmer and I don't hate Hosmer. I'm just disappointed with the way he's played. And I hope that he, if he's in a Padre uniform, I really sincerely hope that he can turn it around and he can, you know, earn more of the contract, at least on a year to year basis than he has in his first four years with the Padres. So I'm, I'm a diehard Padre fan. I want him to do well. I want him to be that Kansas City Hosmer. You know, but and I'm, I, I remain optimistic that Michael Bedard can help with that. But I'm I'm just based on past, based on the past, based on past stats. His history here, it's not looking good. His history has said that he's unwilling to change. You know that AC article that came out I think last year that he was you know okay with just being the player that he was and not having that launch angle and not developing launch angle and he was just okay with just being where he is 
I was frustrated. A lot of other Padre fans were frustrated with that. So it's just not looking good, but I do hope that he turns it around if he's still a Padre in 2022 and finishes out the contract strong because, or at least until they find someone to take some of the contract because I'm a Padre fan. Anyone on the Padres, I want them to do well. So that's the AC article. Last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Keith Law, the athletic coming out, top 20 article, top 20 Padres prospects list. And I'll share my screen for the YouTube audience. I wrote about this on gaslightball.com. We'll go through the list here. Keith Law, again, he did this. Uh, this came out on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, I believe. C.J. Abrams, number one. Robert Hassel, the third, is number two. Mackenzie Gore is three. Uh, Luis Camposano, four. Jackson Merrill, five. That's the top five. Six through ten, Joshua Mears is at six, James Wood, uh, Angelus the shortstop at eight, Robert Gasser at nine, Sammy Zavala outfielder at ten. And then the YouTube audience, they could read the last ten on their own. Costa, or I'll read it. Costa eleven, shortstop or Ornelas, I think is how you pronounce it. The outfielder at 12, Justin Lang, Lange out at LSU, I believe. Uh, 13, Lizarraca, 14, Eggie Rosario, 15. Cedeno, the infielder at 16, Brandon Valenzuela, Valis, Valenzuela, sorry, catcher is the 17th ranked prospect according to Keith Law, Adrian Martinez, who's in El Paso right now, uh, number 18, Kevin Copps, drafted last year out of Arkansas, Golden Spikes winner, uh, he's already in his 20s, 19, and Ray Kerr, 20, Stephen Wilson is an option to come up as well, Jarlin Susanna, the international stud that we just got. He's in there as a notable mention, honorable mention, whatever you want to say, Ethan Elliott as well. Uh, my takeaways here, and we will go back to just me here. Um, CJ Abrams, obviously he's the top ranked prospect, deserves to be five tool player. I mean, the power maybe not so much, but Kevin Charity on episode 102, you can go watch that, listen to that on the podcast or watch on YouTube. He said that C.J. Abrams could hit 15, 20 home runs a year. Um, you know, he has speed. He, he's going to be an up-the-middle player, whether that's shortstop. Some believe that he could play a better defensive shortstop than Fernando, and I kind of agree with that. Uh, second base, center field, he's going to be somewhere up the middle. Um, Gore, he's been up and down, you know, up and down literally between AAA and Peoria recently and fixing his mechanics up and down you know, some ups and downs with that. He could impact the Padres, but I don't think it's smart for the Padres to, you know, bank on Gore coming up. I think that's why you saw them bring in Nick Martinez. And I think that's why they're hopeful, obviously, that, you know, Clevenger, Darvish, Snow, Musgrove, Paddock, Weathers, Marhome, they can all stay healthy. Because uh, you just don't, you can't bank on it because if, uh, just the up and downs. The you can't rely. You just can't rely on him producing and pitching well all of a sudden. And I think this lockout, like Kevin Charity said, told me, uh, it definitely hurts. It hurts that he can't talk with Ruben Yebla and work through things during this lockout. The longer the lockout goes on, the less time they have between spring training to you know get a head start on. Them. Um, so that's Gore. You know, Campisano. Maybe he's traded. Maybe he's not. I don't see him cracking the opening day roster as the roster set right now because they're not going to have four guys on it, you'd think. Um, with the DH, that adds in another possibility, but 
That would be unfortunate if Camposano is the DH or, or Alfaro is the DH and they have four catchers technically on it. Because that means they didn't get Nelson Cruz. They didn't get Kyle Schwarber. They, you know, didn't get a DH. That would be disappointing, especially with the universal DH. Now we know it's going to be implemented, implemented like I mentioned earlier in the episode. Uh, so that's Camposano. He might be attached to a Hosmer deal. Who knows? I'm still high on him. I think Castle rightly should be ranked ahead of him because of his upside, because of I'm just a big fan of Hassel. Hassel would be number two on my list behind Abrams, just I believe like he is on Kevin Charities. Um, I mean, he could be a five-toe player. Center field is what he's playing right now, it seems like. Great arm. I love that he has great discipline. You don't uh, play discipline. You don't really see that a lot in, you know, power hitters nowadays. Uh, definitely seems like he's gonna, he would be a better player than Grisham. Um, so impact major league outfielder. I'm excited to see more of him. Um, I really, really am excited. Hopefully that he continues on this level and he and CJ can be up in the big leagues. Maybe not this year, both of them, but by opening day, 2023, that would be exciting. Um, two guys to watch Kevin cops and then Ray Kerr, both of them. Why do I say those two, those two can both possibly impact the major league roster at some point this year. Because of their age, both are, I believe, 24, 24, 25 years old, cops, and then Kerr's, I think, uh, like 27-ish, I think, maybe 25. Uh, But they're both in their 20s. They both have experience. Ray Kerr's has already gotten to AAA. He's already topping at 102 with his fastball. He has the skills. It's more about throwing strikes, kind of like Gore, staying in the strike zone, throwing strikes. And then uh, with cops, we might see him. He pitched with an ERA under one in his first professional season. He had, he was, I believe, when he pitched five years at Arkansas in the SEC. So he's pitched in a lot of big games. That's the best college conference in the country. Golden Spikes Award winner for the best college player in the country, I believe. Um, is that That's what that award is. He won that before being drafted by the Padres. So both of those guys, because of their age, because of their ability to show that they can pitch in the in definitely in the professional level at the professional level. Cops, I believe, made it to double A last year, even in just one season with the Padres. So he could just keep moving up. And if he's at, at this rate, he's going to be on the team at some point. Injuries happen in the bullpen, so I think he could, you know, be on the roster at some point. He and Kurt will make an appearance, I think, at some point in 2022 for the Padres. So. Let me know your thoughts on this video. Again, Manfred, he spoke to the media. Uh, AC coming out with that article at the San Diego Union Tribune, um, you know, talking about Hosmer's future. Padres front office essentially giving up on Hosmer producing at the level they thought he was going to when they, he came in in 2018, uh, them being interested and in probably going to target Seiya Suzuki after the lockout. And then Keith Law's top 20 prospect list. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Until next time, let's go Padres. Should have an interview next week as well. Maybe another episode this week. Stay tuned. This has been episode 103 of the Talking First podcast. See ya.